Hello, and welcome back for another episode of the Bunker Boys. Uh, we had a wild tournament over the weekend. It was so much fun to watch. Uh, it was the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. Uh, it was in Orlando. Just like a crazy tournament from start to finish. Uh, we had people on top of the leaderboard Thursday who were at the bottom of the leaderboard by the end of the day Sunday. Um, and that final round, uh, Slade and I were texting back and forth the whole time. That was probably one of the most more wild final rounds I've ever seen. Um, it well, at least this year. Um, I mean, you think back to the waste management open, you had three, four guys in it, but they were the, you know, the final grouping, um, this week, you know, you had guys from like three groupings ahead of the last grouping that somehow creeped their way in there. Um, it was just great to see all around very hard course uh, for everybody to master. Uh, we're going to talk about how guys struggle to, to just shoot above par or under par. But let's go over the top five real quick. Uh, Chris Kirk came in tied for fifth. Uh, he shot even on the day, uh, under or three under, excuse me, uh, for the whole week. Gary Woodland uh, also tied for fifth at three under. He shot one over on Sunday. Billy Horschel came into Sunday leading. Uh, shot a plus three, uh, would end up going four under for the tournament. Tyrell Hatton. Uh, shot had a great day. Uh, shot three under, um, four under for the tournament. Again, he was one of those guys. Like up until uh, Shuffler sunk that putt, um, you know, it looked like he had a shot to you know maybe be there for a playoff. Um, Victor Hovland uh, plus two on Sunday, four under for the tournament. And Scotty Scheffler, your winner of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, uh, went even on the day, uh, five under. Say, so let's get your impression of the final round. What do you think about it? Yeah, I thought it was a very, very uh, difficult day for everyone, of course. It seemed like it definitely challenged everyone. All I could think is that Arnold Palmer probably laughing the entire time. <laughs> yeah, God knows he was looking down laughing. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was so crazy to see. I mean, you and I were just talking about it before. And obviously, we are nowhere near a pro level, but watching some of those guys on Sunday shoot really felt like we might have a shot if we went out there. Um, it was, they were struggling so much. Scheffler um, had a lot of really great holes, but you also saw, saw some of the holes where he would shank his drive. I believe it was he was coming up 17, I want to say. 17 or 16. And he was way off to the left he was behind the magnolia trees it looked like at that moment then and there because i believe the hole before he had just made a birdie um to put himself in the lead he did that and hovland was just hounding him the whole day you know hovland obviously had his struggles but would have great moments of bouncing back um and it looked like that was going to be the point where hovland would just pounce and then scheffler just gets it together finishes that hole the putt he had on 18 um it would have been his birdie putt if you had sunk it, but he was like at least 70 feet away. And I still can't believe that. I mean, I was watching, I was texting. He was like, go in, go in. Um, came up just short of the hole. taps in for par. Um, just all around. It was a great, great tournament. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I've had, a, I would say this is the most involved I've been in golf in years. Uh, like I get home from work on Thursdays and immediately I flip on ESPN plus and I sit there and watch golf. Um, you know, it, it really speeds up my weekends, which sucks, but it's nice because you get to watch all these top-tier athletes, and they go out and they do their thing, and like I said, you have guys that shoot 15 over, and you're like, you know what? 
I, I could do that, but uh, why don't you tell us about some other golfers here, Slade? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it was it was up and down most of the Sunday. Uh, people, a lot of the guys, they would get a birdie and then, or even a par, just to try and kind of keep people going with their, their score for the day, and then they would bogey or double bogey the next hole, just making it catch up, like one step forward, two steps back the entire time. Uh, only four players shot under par on Sunday. Lucas Herbert had the best round of the day at four under to tie for seventh at minus two for the week. Troy Merritt had the worst day at plus 15, finishing tied for 74th at plus 16 for the weekend. Yeah, and I, I, I was, when I was writing this up, I looked and I saw, uh, so somebody, the guy who finished in 75th was like only a shot better than him. He shot a plus 14 on the day. I think he finished plus 17 overall. So just, just speaks to how difficult this course was for everybody. Um, Roy McElroy was off to a hot start on Thursday. I really thought, he was going to be somebody to watch throughout the whole weekend. Uh, he had seven under, uh, but the rest of the weekend, he owned the shoot plus eight. Uh, Will Zalatoris, again, I thought somebody who, he had a great Thursday. I was like, okay, he's going to pick up momentum as the weekend goes on. But like, at the end of the day, Thursday, I said the the final grouping in my mind was McElroy and Zalatoris. Like, that's who I had. Um, he shot a four under on Thursday, and then he would shoot a plus five, a two under, and then a plus seven. Uh, to finish out the week, so uh, not not what you want going into the, the Players Championship. Um, obviously, he was a runner-up at the Masters last year, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he can find his groove. I mean, obviously, everybody in the field struggled this past weekend, um, so it'll be interesting to see who can bounce back, uh, especially going to the TPC Sawgrass and how difficult of a course that is as well. Uh, the, they were talking about it all weekend. The Florida swing for the PGA is just so brutal on everybody. Um, there, there's no breaks, and it's, it only gets more difficult from here. Yeah, I was reading um, into Rory, and they had said that Bay Hill has just kind of been a problem for him after Thursday on his last three starts there. He's always he started out at uh, 66 to 68 the last three times on Thursday, but after that he hasn't shot below like a 70 or a, yeah, I think a 70. He hasn't shot below a 70 in the last three on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which just makes it very difficult if everyone else is continuing to card, you know, scores that are three and four under, you know. Uh, Ricky Fowler had a solid start to the weekend going into Saturday at one under. Um, he struggled Saturday with a plus four, and again on Sunday with a plus, plus five to finish tied for 52nd at eight over for the weekend. He now sits 89th in the FedEx Cup standings. Yeah, um, feel really bad for him. Uh, you know, a tough weekend, uh, but it is good to see him at least in the top one twenty-five. And like I said, um, I said this last week. I really feel like he's picking up a little bit of momentum. He started to make more cuts. Um, you know, he's getting a little bit further up in the field. And we said this, you know, time and time again in, in this intro here. Everybody struggled this past weekend, even the big names. Um, you know, Hovland shoots a, a a plus two on the final day. Um, so it's not like anybody, you know, had a fun time at Bay Hill. Um, you know, he, he has to miss the, the player championship this week. He didn't make the, the cut to get invited to that, which sucks for him. Um, so I'm really hoping he can start to pick up a little bit of momentum here. Uh, gets, get higher up in the, in the standings, um, and maybe get a win here come year end, which would be awesome to see. Um, so yeah, again, Arnold Palmer Invitational, a great tournament. I texted Slade, uh, 
I texted our friend Sam, who lives in Orlando. I was like, we we need to go to this tournament next year. Um, it's a beautiful golf course. All all the shots they had all weekend were just gorgeous to see. Um, definitely a, a tournament that should be on your list of of places you need to go see. Uh, with that being said, we have an updated FedEx Cup top ten. Uh, a lot of moving around after absolutely no movement last weekend. Uh, in tenth place is Cameron Smith with seven hundred and fifty four points. Uh, ninth is Joaquin Neiman with seven hundred and ninety two points. Luke List drops down to eighth with eight hundred and three points. Sam Burns it sits at seventh with eight hundred and fifty six points. Victor Hovland is at sixth now uh, with nine hundred and twenty seven points. Sung J M sits in fifth with nine hundred and forty points. Taylor Gooch is in fourth. Uh, with 1,093 points, he had a really rough Saturday or Sunday. Um, he was one that we didn't talk about there. I believe he came, he was in the final pairing when he came in. Um, I think he shot a plus seven on the day. Um, somebody who just he always seems to be there on Sunday, just can't seem to get it done yet. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he can turn that around going forward. Uh, third is Tom Hodge with 1,141 points. Second is Hideki Matsuyama dropping out of the first position with 1,321 points. And sitting in first is Scotty Scheffler with 1,614 points. Yeah, I mean, two wins in three weeks for Scotty Scheffler should definitely put you at the top. It, it's definitely great to see some movement in the list this week after, what was it, three weeks of not really any movement at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, like you said, Taylor Gooch, he, he had a great weekend. He just had a rough, rough Sunday. But, I mean, it's easy to be overshadowed when everyone had a rough Sunday. Everyone's just kind of looking at the, the final five like we did and not really thinking about how there was so many people that just could not get those putts to go down on Sunday. Yeah. We have some uh, big news. Uh, different part of the world. The Puerto Rico Open. Had a Cinderella story over the weekend. Ryan Bram finished, or sorry, he, he faced a winner go home situation this past weekend, needing to finish at least second to keep himself on the tour, or he would head back to the Corn Ferry Tour. He thumped the field, shooting 68 all four rounds to finish 20 under for the tournament and six shots clear of second place. He now keeps his tour card for another two years, where many coaches expect him to put up a few more wins. Yeah, that was uh, that was an awesome story to see. I know the. Every time the golf network uh, was covering the, the Arnold Palmer, they would talk about that a little bit, and they they were sharing the story as they went. Um, and whenever I wasn't paying attention, and that would flip over to CBS or whatever, uh, I would catch a little bit of the, that the open there. Um, really cool story to see. Very happy for him. Uh, sticking with the news, uh, we have some controversy. Big shocker on the PGA Tour. Um, after saying that they weren't going to release it, the PGA Tour released the first yearly PIP uh, Top 10. Uh, that is a player impact program. It's a program they came out with last year um, that gauges how well uh, golfers, you know, are on social media, you know, things like that. You know, how are they helping to grow the game? And they ranked that. Um, Max Homa wasn't really happy with the results, saying the PGA needs to blow it up at some point. Uh, after talking with Ryder Cup... Captain Zach Johnson, uh, he said that he had a better chance of making the Ryder Cup team than than making the PIP list. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Na was upset that Tiger Woods run. Um, 
not upset with Tiger himself. He just said that I'm grateful for everything he has done for the sport, but he didn't play. Uh, he also wondered if Phil Mickelson was uh, was bumped from the number one spot um, because of his comments uh, a few weeks ago that we talked about. Uh, because I think it was a few weeks ago, Phil Mickelson had tweeted out that he won the, the Player Impact Challenge. Uh, he was in first yes. place. And then all of a sudden, PGA comes out with this list. Again, they said they weren't going to. And Phil Mickelson's in second. So everybody's wondering. Um, many or Colin Morikawa finished 11th, he said. Uh, they only released a top 10. Uh, he was pretty upset about that. Again, he played in a lot of tournaments last year. He does a lot on social media. Uh, many people were also upset that the PGA only counted engagements in English. So Masters winner Hideki Matsuyama was left off the list. Uh, he's done a, a fantastic job of growing the game in Japan. Um, you know, Japan hosted the Summer Games last year where golf was. Hideki was in it right to the end. Um, so definitely something they need to change going forward. Uh, we'll go over the top 10 real quick, and then we'll discuss this. Uh, the top 10, so it started with Bubba Watson in 10th. John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, and Dustin Johnson. They all earned $3 million. Uh, the next couple guys were Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Jordan Spieth, and Rory McIlroy. They all earned $3.5 million. In second place was Phil Mickelson, earning $6 million. And, of course, like we said, Tiger Woods was eighth. Um, so, Slade, I want to get your thoughts on this first. Uh, go ahead. And what, what are your thoughts on the top ten and, and what you think about the, the player impact? Yeah, so I agree. It's very unfair that only English, um, sorry, yeah, only English engagements were were counted because there is a, a huge amount of players that aren't from the United States. I mean, whether they're from the UK, Mexico, wherever, uh, Japan, like you had said, like it, it just is very unfortunate that golf is not just the United States, even though the majority of everything is played. Not even everything is played just in the United States, but the majority of like the the course holes and stuff like that are, are right in the United States. It's just unfortunate that they only counted the uh, English engagements. Uh, on your comment about Mickelson tweeting that he had won, <laughs> savage move by Tiger Woods had like tweeted back at him <laughs> just like the whoops with the shrugged shoulders <laughs> emoji after he. He was announced as the actual winner. I mean, I, I don't understand the move by the PGA to release it after stating that they weren't going to release it. So it's just, it's just a, a difficult situation to understand what's, what was going on when they decided what what, what the thought process was there to to release it after stating that they weren't going to. You know? Yeah. Um. I mean, I definitely feel like it has to do with like like Kevin Na said and like you and I said earlier. I, it has to do with his comments. There's there's no way it doesn't. Um. At the end of the day, I, I feel like they had really good intentions behind this program, and I think it's a great idea in theory. Um, it, it forces the guys to go out there and you know get get social media, get the communities involved, and, and really grow this game. Um, but yeah, you need to expand it outside of just English speaking countries. Um, you know, we have guys from the Netherlands, um, Japan, obviously, you know, Mexico. Like you said, there's so many countries out there, and, and we're gonna start getting more and more, especially as guys. Uh, start to come over from the European tour. Um, you know, the PGA strengthened the relationship with that. So I only see like more crossover coming in the future. Um, so there definitely needs to be a lot of restructuring next year um, and, and going forward to include non-speaking or non-English speaking, you know, players and stuff like that and their engagements outside of, you know, 
you know, just Twitter and stuff because obviously not everybody can speak perfect English. Um, so that's not really fair to them, especially, like I said, with, with how much Hideki grew the game in Japan in just the last year alone, you know, becoming the first Japanese player to win the Masters, uh, performing as well as he did on his home soil for the, the Olympics. And you think about it, the PGA, you know, in the wintertime, they're over in the Middle East, they're over in Asia playing all the time. Uh, you know, we have tournaments in Mexico, Puerto Rico. We go to England for the, the Open. Like, this, this is becoming a worldwide game now. Um, so, yeah, it's just very confusing that they only counted the English uh, side of that. Um, so, like I said, I think it's a great program in theory, uh, but they definitely have a lot of, lot of issues to, to work out going forward. And hopefully next year, they if if anything, um, I don't mind them releasing the top ten because it's like oh like hey how how's my favorite golfer doing, um, but yeah we'll we'll see how it works going forward. And Zach Johnson's comment is hilarious. <laughs> it was it was. Um, are you ready to move on to next week? Yeah. Oh, I'm super ready to talk about next week. This this upcoming week is definitely. I think is the most exciting lead up to a weekend of golf that we've had so far for the podcast. Uh, it's the players championship at TPC Sawgrass, like you had stated before in Jacksonville, Florida. Last year's champ was Justin Thomas. Uh, let's get into some course layout. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this course is so much, I've played it in uh PGA 2k. Uh, it is a lot of fun to play in a video game. I would love to play here in person. Um, yeah, so for something they, they consider the fifth major, uh, we're very excited for this. So, yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, hole one is a par four sitting at 423 yards. Uh, and unlike last week, they actually wrote paragraphs for every hole, um, not a sentence. So, uh, from the start, the golf course demands accuracy from the tee. On the slight dog leg to the right, a drive to the right side of the narrow landing area will give the player a good angle to approach the long and narrow green, a long fairway bunker. A lateral water hazard and grass bunkers await errant drives to the right, and defense trees guard the fairway to the left. As this is a medium-length par 4, the emphasis is again on the accuracy for the second shot. Large maintained bunkers protect the front and left portions of the green. Grass bunkers in the front right, right and rear areas of the green protect the remainder of it. The drive will be with a driver or a fairway wood. The second shot will be with a middle to short iron. Hole 2 is a par 5 at 532 yards. On this relatively short par 5, the player's success once again begins on the tee. A long and accurate drive will enable the majority of players to attempt to reach the green in two shots. Dense trees on both sides with a lateral water hazard to the right protect the sloped landing area of the drive. A small pond and large fairway bunker on the right guard the fairway and green from 175 yards out. Deep maintained bunkers are on both sides of the green, along with numerous grass bunkers. The mounds located around the green give spectators a good view of players attempting to reach the green in two shots and players attempting to save par. Hole 3 takes us to a par 3 sitting at 177 yards. A maintained spectator mound to the left of this medium length par 3 offers a view of the entire hole. A shot requiring a middle to short iron is needed to reach the two-tier green, which slopes from back to front. A bunker in the front of the green and grass bunkers to the right protect what is 
left unguarded by a large maintained bunker to the left and rear portion of the green. There probably will be more birdies scored here than any other par 3 holes. Hole number 4 is another par 4 at 384 yards. This short par 4 requires accuracy on every shot. The drive must avoid a lateral water hazard and a deep, meandering fairway bunker on the right. Very large and severely sloped mounds protect the left side of this narrow landing area. A well-struck iron or fairway wood from the sea will enable the players to hit a middle to short iron to one of the toughest greens on the course. Numerous treacherous pin placements on this very undulating two-tiered green make this a protected target and a tough shot. A water hazard protects the front of the left side of the green, while small but deep maintained bunkers protect the green on the right and the rear. Tremendous mounds behind the green give spectators a view of the entire hole. A birdie can turn into a double bogey very quickly here. Hole 5 is a par 4 sitting at 471 yards. This dogleg right offers a generous landing area for the drive as it is the longest par 4 on the golf course. A long fairway bunker down the right side and beyond the landing area for the drive protects the fairway. After hitting a driver from the tee, the players will use long to middle irons on their second shots to this deep, narrow, and rolling green. This green is protected by grass bunkers, maintained bunkers, a waste area, and palm trees. This will be one of the hardest holes to play, and par will be a very welcome score. Hole number six is a par four at 393 yards. This hole is a perfect example of target golf, and Pete Dye once called it the most beautiful on the course. The drive must avoid dense palm and pine trees on the right, and two fairway bunkers and a lateral water hazard on the left. The slightly elevated green is protected by maintained bunkers grass bunkers, and clustered palm trees. The specific landing area on this hole offers players a level lie for each approach to the two-tiered green, which slopes down from the right to left and back to front. Uneven and awkward lies, the result of shots that narrowly miss their targets, will cause higher scores on this hole. The player's short games will be tested here on a daily basis. Visual players will be greeted by an expanding water hazard down the left side of the hole. Oh, sorry. Visually, players will be greeted by an expanding water hazard down the left side of the hole. Hole 7 is a par 4 sitting at 451 yards. A long, slight dogleg right, a vast fairway bunker, and a lateral water hazard running almost the entire length of the hole guard the left side of the fairway. The right side of the landing area is linked or is lined by thick trees. The driving area is very large and the preferred side is dictated by the pin placement. A tee shot on the left is, prefer is preferred for a pin cut on the right and a drive from the right is desired for a hole location on the rear or left. The green is protected in by maintained bunkers in the front and to the left and a severe slope off the back. The wind direction on this hole can make it very difficult to score well. In 2017, the water down the left was expanded, making it much more visually intimidating for players. The tee was also shifted five yards to the right, bringing the overhanging tree on the right into play and making a fade the preferred ball flight. Hole number eight is a par three at 237 yards. The longest par three on this course requires a long iron or fairway wood to carry 
a mirage of obstacles. The deep, narrow, and sloping green is protected by numerous maintained bunkers and grass bunkers. This is another hole that puts pressure on the player's short game. Par again will be very welcome on this demanding three. Par three, sorry. Hole nine is a par five sitting at 583 yards. The ninth hole is considered by many to be one of the finest par fives in the country. A large lake and bunker to the right of the fairway collects stray drives, while woods to the left hinder second shots. The most important shot on this hole is a second. This shot will be a long iron or a fairway wood directed to the right side of the fairway. To the left, a wandering fairway bunker and large oak trees crowd the small second shot landing areas. The green is very thin and is severely sloped from the front right or from the front to the back right. A severely banked maintained bunker guards the left and rear of the green along with smaller maintained bunker. Another small bunker in the front causes problems for players coming up short. Approach shots to the green will be with a middle to short iron and this as this hole progresses from the tee to the green, it becomes more narrow and demanding. This hole can make or break a good outward nine holes. There is a new spectator mound behind the green. Hole number 10 is a par 4 at 424 yards. The inward 9 begins with a dogleg par 4, just as the front 9 does. However, the 10th hole doglegs to the left with a large bunker down the left side of the fairway and very dense trees to the right. Again, the narrow landing area for the drive demands accuracy. Most players will select a fairway wood from the tee to set up a middle to short iron approach to the green, which is protected by two maintained bunkers in the front right. Grass bunkers crowd the entire left side of this deceiving green. From the landing area to the green appears to be very large. Actually, it is very narrow and fades away from the players. This green offers a variety of pin placements, making the position of the drive very important. Hole 11 is a par 5, sitting at 558 yards. This hole is a strategically designed middle-length par 5, which presents a variety of possibility and potential disasters. Players attempting to reach this green in two shots must have a long and accurate drive down the right side. An immense fairway bunker stops shots hit through the left of the fairway, and dense trees knock down shots hit to the left of the driving area. Large overhanging trees crowd the preferred right side because the fairway is split by lateral water hazard and two large bunkers. The player can elect to hit a middle iron to the fairway on the right, which is guarded by a large oak tree. From this position, a short iron to wedge is needed for the third shot. A more daring alternative is to approach the green from the left side of the split fairway. This alternative requires a shot, a second shot to be lofted high enough to clear another oak tree and, and the continuing bunker. The large maintained bunker runs the length of the second shot landing area and continues up and around the green. The lateral water hazard that splits the fairway continues around the back of the green. One maintained bunker covers the front of the green. The left side of the green presents a tricky recovery from a close, closely mowed area. I've submitted college papers shorter than that. I know, that. my God. <laughs> hole 12 is a par 4 at 369 yards. The 12th hole was redesigned before the 2017 tournament into a risk reward. Drivable par 4. Players stepping onto the tee at the 12th have the option to try and drive the green at the 302-yard hole, but that option isn't without perils. A water hazard guards the left side of the green, collecting waterway, waterward drives, 
and several pot bunkers in difficult terrain protect the right side. A large fairway bunker stretches the length of the left side of the fairway and forces an accurate shot off the tee for those that don't want to attempt to drive the green. 50 yards of fairway and closely mowed areas rest between the end of the fairway bunker and the green, but the terrain slopes severely to, from right to left towards the water. The green has several tiers and slopes or dramatically towards the water, penalizing wayward drives and approaches. PJ Tour heard we were reading these on, on air, and they're like, you know what, we're going to give you a goddamn book. <laughs> Hole 13 is a par 3, sitting at 181 yards. A water ha hazard protects this picturesque par 3 all the way around down the left side. Players must clear or maneuver around the water hazard when the pin placements are to the left. The green has three separate tiers. The highest is the right front quarter. The right rear quarter is just slightly lower and slopes away from the tee. The entire left of the green slopes drastically toward the water. The green is also protected by two small and deep maintained bunkers. Spectators can get a great view from all the mounted areas on this medium length par 3. Short to middle irons will be the choice of the majority of players. Hole number 14 is a par 4 at 481 yards. Traditionally, this hole has been one of the toughest to play. The narrow two-tiered driving area is paralleled down the left side by a narrow, narrow fairway bunker and a lateral water hazard. The right side is overshadowed by large and deep grass bunkers located within a very large mound. Between the driving area and the green is a vast bunker. The green is very large with several undula undulations and long slopes. A maintained bunker protects the front left side of the green and a few other maintained bunkers hide among very large grass bunkers to the right and rear of the green. A driver from the tee and a long to middle iron are the club selections on this most treacherous hole. Hole 15 is a par 4 sitting at 470 yards. This dogleg right becomes, excuse me, this dogleg right begins with a drive through a chute of trees and over water, the fairway bunker extends down the right side of the fairway to a paved path, then resumes to the left of the path and extends almost to the green. A large maintained bunker to the left and small maintained bunker to the right front of protect the green. There are grass bunkers to the right and rear of the green. This hole will play 20 yards further in 2017 in the, with the addition of new tees as part of the extensive renovations to the stadium course. Hole number 16 is a par 5 at 523 yards. The shortest par 5 will give many players an opportunity to reach the green in two shots. A fairway wood or long iron will be required for the second shot, which must carry a large lateral water hazard and maintain bunker in a bulkhead. All of these obstacles are to the right of the hole and start 150 yards from the green. To the left, a cluster of oak trees blocks a clear path to the green. Players who do not choose to attempt the green in two shots must direct their shot must direct their second shot to the narrow area protected by a grass bunker, a water hazard, and a cluster of oak trees. The green has two tiers sloping left to right forward or toward the water that wraps around the rear of the green. This is a new spectator mound behind the green. Or there is a new spectator ground mound behind the green, sorry. Now we are on the hole seventeen, which is Arguably becoming one of the most famous holes in golf. I, I've put it up there with Amen Corner at the Masters. Um, you know, 
it's basically been the, the players based the whole ad uh, campaign here the last few weeks. Hole 17 is a par 3 sitting at 137 yards. In its brief history, the island hole has become one of the most renowned of its kind in the world. Each year, it's the most popular among spectators. The signature hole is a short length par 3 with a wide green that narrows to the right side. The right side of the screen is protected by a small maintained bunker, which sometimes will be a relief to players who come up short of the green. Club selection for this hole is critically important. With the tricky wind of spring, the championship could be won or lost here. A large spectator mound has been created behind the green. Our last hole, hole number 18, is a par 4 at 462 yards. A fantastic dogleg left awaits the players as they prepare to finish their round. Constant accuracy is one of the utmost importance of this hole. Water guards the full length of the hole to the left, while large spectator mounds and tree lines to the right. A collection of grass bunkers is situated in the front right section of the green, while a lone maintained bunker awaits shots hit left and long. This 18th has become one of the premier finishing holes in golf. It seems as if this hole, just like many others, they've added spectator mound behind the green which is great for the fans it's going to be great to be able to watch it yeah th this is one of i mean I, i've watched a few videos um it, when they made the, the stadium or this is like the first ever i think traditional like stadium course um pete Dye created it and they they bought this golf course for a dollar first of all um what yeah, they back. Oh my god, I forget how long ago they bought it. But yeah, they literally bought it for one dollar, and then they did all these renovations to it. Um, this is, I mean, I think it was back in the sixties, seventies, I want to say. Um, but this was the first ever, you know, course created for spectators, and that's why they call it the stadium course. Um, it, it's what a lot of the the newer courses now that are so fan accessible have been modeled after. Um. And when they re renovated in 2017, they did a beautiful job with it. Um, another one, I, I am just dying to go see this sometime. I wish I could be there this year. Um, with that being said, we have some huge pairings for the first uh, day that have been announced. Uh, we're going to go over those really quick. Um, first pairing we're going to talk about is Joaquin Neiman, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, and Cameron Smith. Uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch them uh, all in the top 10 in the FedEx Cup right now. Uh, Neiman and Matsuyama have won already this year. Uh, I think that's going to be a great pairing to watch. Uh, the next one is Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, and John Rahm. So we have the first, third, and fourth uh, guys ranked right now in, in the world. Um, excuse me. Yeah, first, third, and fourth uh, in the world rankings right now. That's going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, next up, we have Scotty Scheffler coming off a win, paired with Xander Schauffele and Brooks Kepka. I cannot wait to watch this pairing. I think that's going to be so much fun to see Brooks and Xander together, let alone you throw Scotty Scheffler in there. Um, he last played with Brooks at the Waste Management Open. Brooks also played with Xander at the Waste Management Open, I believe, on Saturday. Um, next pairing is Jordan Spieth, Daniel Berger, and Dustin Johnson. Um, it's great to see DJ back. Uh, hopefully he has a better week than he did at the Genesis. Uh, we'll see if Daniel Berger can rebound from his heartbreak uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and Jordan Spieth is always so much fun to watch on the golf course. And the last pairing, uh, or big, I mean, there's huge pairings out there, but this is the last really big one. Uh, we have Royal McIlroy, uh, Colin Morikawa, and Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, the defending champion. Um, McIlroy had a great Thursday 
like we talked about the Arnold Palmer, that's gonna be so much fun. Uh, and Colin Morikawa is always, you know, you know, in the finish when he's when he's in these tournaments. So that's gonna be a great pairing, and I think it's gonna be a great tournament this weekend. I can't wait for it. Uh, the first group tees off at 6:45 a.m. on Thursday. Uh, that'll be on ESPN Plus. I believe they switched to the Golf Channel at 2 p.m. Uh, Thursday and Friday, and then I know they starts every morning on ESPN. Um, I think on the weekends when at noon they switch to Golf Channel, and then at two they switch over to I think they're in CBS this weekend. Um, so that's your, your 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 programming for the weekend. What what pair are you thinking is going to be the best performing in that first two days? Best pair. I, I I really want to say this, the Scheffler, Shoffley, and, and Kepka one, just because Sky Scheffler is so hot right now. Um, mm-hmm. I I love watching Xander and Brooks play. Um, I think they have very similar styles, um, and I'm really looking for both of them to rebound. Uh, the last couple times they've been in tournaments, they haven't played super well. Um, so I think they're, they're going to try and bounce back here. So I'm really looking forward to them having a good weekend. Um, as a Kepka fan, obviously I want him to win. Um, but I'm, I'm overall just very excited for this tournament. What about you? Who do you think? Yeah, so I I have this weird feeling. I think that Jordan Spade, Daniel Berger, and Dustin Johnson are going to be the highest performing. I think that looking at paper, they would be like the lower performing of the of the other four groups, you know, of the five groups that we had mentioned. but for some reason, I feel like their group, for some reason, is going to overperform for what they've been doing recently. Yeah. Um, th- these pairings they came up with are, I mean, from start great. to finish, yeah, they're just great pairings. Um, I'm super excited. I think, I'm for once, I'm actually going to get out of bed on time on Thursday so I can watch a little bit before I have to go to work. Uh, so, yeah, just 100. I can't wait for this tournament. Um, so that wraps up our weekend review and our weekend preview. As always, uh, we ask our golf guru, Sam, uh, to give us a term of the week and a player profile to bring to you guys. Uh, So this week, the term of the week he wants me to explain to you guys is an eagle. Um, An eagle is something that I will never make in my life. Uh, It is when you shoot two under par on a hole. So if you play a par five, you get a three. If you play a par four, you get a two. Uh, And if you play a par three, you get a hole in one. Uh, And that makes an eagle. Yeah, I've never carded one of those. Um, <laughs> I think I have our, one our, birdie one, in my life, like one. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, I, I for uh, what was that? I, I guess uh, the, on Sunday they said you, there was a higher chance of double e uh, double bogeying than getting the birdie. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my kind of tournament. I need to go play yeah. in that. Like, like yeah. I, I'm not gonna win, no. But like, I hey, I, I might finish fifteen over. Yeah. On oh, the front nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam put together a great player profile for us this week in Victor Hovland. He is 24-year-old from Oslo, Norway. He attended OSU, Oklahoma State University, and turned pro in 2019. He has three tour victories and is becoming one of the greatest future stars that we've seen here in the last two, three, four years. You know, uh, He's currently ranked number three in the world. Yeah, um, great young man. I, I really expect him and Scheffler to both win a major this year. Um, 
he's trending upwards. You could just see this weekend if it felt like he got into his own head a little bit. Um, I, I expect as he gets older and he matures, that's going to go away, and he's going to thrive in those high-pressure situations come sooner or later. Uh, I think he's going to have a great career. I'm very excited for him. Uh, like I said, I Scheffler too. Um, I I just love like how stacked golf is right now with with talent. Um, you know, you got Rom out there. Like every like everybody in those those pairings we just went over. Like some of them are are I would say on the decline of their career, but they're still really freaking good. They're they're able to go out there and compete on every any given weekend. We saw that with McElroy last weekend. Um, a lot of people said you know his career was over last year. He goes on and wins the Wells Fargo here in Charlotte. That was so cool to see in person. Um, I believe he won one more over the winter. Uh, and you know, again, he's competing, so it is. It's so cool to see how well golf is thriving right now. Uh, it's not just Tiger and Phil carrying everything. It, it, it's so wide open right now. It's really cool to enjoy. Agreed. Uh, crazy thing that I had heard on Sunday when you had mentioned Scotty Scheffler. Um, his 87 year old grandmother walked all 18 holes on Sunday to watch him win, which is just crazy. Go, Grandma. <laughs> I, I, I don't even think I can walk 18 holes now. That's why I, I take a cart. There's, oh, yeah. There's too much beer, and I'm too fat. But uh, <laughs> that will wrap up our show for this week. Um, super excited to watch the golf this weekend. I can't wait to break it down with you guys next Monday. Um, and then we get you ready for the Valspar Championship, which is a really cool course in and of itself. Um, so... A great few weeks of golf coming up here. And then, as of today, we are one month away from the Masters. Uh, so I can't wait for that. I might have to take two days off of work uh, just to watch the Thursday and Friday coverage. But nonetheless, um, th- this is the best time of year to get into golf. Um, so if you're trying to learn about the sport, um, I definitely recommend watching the the coverage on ESPN Plus and CBS and NBC is, is pretty good. But the coverage they've done the last few weeks on um, – the golf network golf channel has been really, really superb. Uh, they've done a great job of explaining, um, you know, the breakdown of shots and things like that. Uh, one of the commentators is a former uh, caddy. So like he knows his shit. Um, and it's been so cool to, to learn so much more of, of the aspect of golf from that alone. Um, so definitely like, if, like I said, if you're trying to get into golf right now, if you're trying to learn a lot. Um, you know, start watching some of the coverage. Like I said, ESPN and CBS and NBC do great jobs. Um, but the Golf Channel um, does a really great job of, of getting a little bit more in-depth, and I think that's great. Um, so, yeah, we will see you guys next week. Uh, enjoy your weekend. And, uh, like, as always, uh, check out our other shows. Check out the social medias and the merch store. Bye. Yes, sir. Bye.